Welcome to the Unfair Advantage podcast, brought to you by the authors of the Business Book of the Year, The Unfair Advantage. This is the podcast for anyone who wants to understand the real forces that lead to success in life and in business. Authors and co-hosts Hassan Kuba and Ash Ali discuss entrepreneurship, self-awareness, and explore the journeys of their remarkable guests so they can understand what set them apart from the pack. Because behind every success story, there's an unfair advantage. Hello and welcome to the Unfair Advantage podcast. I'm your host, Hassan Kuba, and with me is Ash Ali. Ash, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And hello, everybody. Today, we thought we'd talk about the classic debate, the classic thing that I am often find myself explaining, often find myself almost debating, which is product versus marketing. What's more important? Go on, Ash, Mr. Marketer. What's more important, <laughs> product or marketing? <laughs> yeah, it's chicken and egg scenario, right? Look, product is always going to be more important. Marketing is mainly experimentation, mm. whereas product you experiment, but you need to get to the point where clients start to love what you do and love the product itself. Because the best marketing is word of mouth, referral marketing. And that's only going to come if you have a great product. Yeah. So that's straight from you, who talks all about marketing, has got a marketing background, and from me, who also has a marketing background. <laughs> so we're big believers in marketing. We have a quote in our book early on, very early on in our book, and we say, it's easy to build a product, but hard to get traction and customers. And this is the main focus because we talk to a lot of people who are developers or product designers or technicians, even if it's not software, like even if they've designed a shoe, right? Mm. Even if they've designed handbags, even if they've designed rucksacks. I don't know why I'm thinking of all clothes stuff, but that's what's coming to my mind. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good your product is. If you don't have some marketing, if you don't have some distribution, another way of saying marketing and it kind of maybe it's more more all encompassing maybe it's not exactly the same but another way of thinking about it is distribution it's distribution can is often just about getting the product out but it's also getting about getting the word out the point is networking getting out into different channels whether that's just about the communication about the product or whether it's the product itself distribution is incredibly important without distribution there's no good having a great product because no one will know about it no one will hear about it and you just won't get off the ground yeah i mean let's think about a lot of the products or services that we use how did we initially find out about them right, right? yeah and when you start to think back about that how did you find out about a new book how did you find out about a new software how did you find out about a new car how did you find out about a new drink a new restaurant you start thinking about those things and you can start thinking, okay, majority of the time, it's going to be somebody else who's recommended it. That's it. That's what they say. The most powerful form of marketing in the world is word of mouth because word of mouth is yeah. free. Word of mouth is trusted and it's people recommending to the people they know. And that's why influencer marketing is sort of word of mouth on steroids because basically everybody's an influencer with their own friends and family to some extent with their own network, but influencers, hence the name, the cheesy name that it is, that is a much wider group of people. It's a much bigger group. It's people who are influenced by their purchasing decisions and by their opinions. And you know what? Actually, today, as of this recording, and if you're listening to this, it might be <laughs> it might be in the future, but today was the first day that I remember. I mean, I could be wrong. I might have gotten something else before, but it's the first time I've been sent something for free because I'm an quote unquote influencer I like to think of it as a knowledge influencer as opposed to like a lifestyle or a model or whatever but 
I got sent these cold brew coffees with nootropics in them. Tasted pretty good. And there's a reason that companies do this. And that's because word of mouth is so powerful. That's because distribution is so important. That's because marketing is so important. Marketing is more important than product, it seems. But we're saying the opposite. So like, where do we go back and forth on this? So what about this as well? Let me just add something to the pot before I pass over to you. Publishers, generally, I mean, with us being a bit of an exception, and you know, there are exceptions, but generally they publish people with platforms, meaning they have distribution built in, they have marketing built in to them because they're already famous. So in other words, they usually do academics and celebrities and influencers. Whereas when we started out, I don't even think we could call ourselves influencers except within our industry and speaking at startup events a little bit. But you know what I mean? So how come publishers work this way then? How come it's all about distribution for them? If it's how, how good is the book going to be? Is it, does it not matter what the product is? Yeah. I think if you want to have a perennial selling book, then you need to have a great product in the first place, mm. right? You can fake the, the Sunday Times charts and you can fake all the best selling kind of charts if you wanted to by just buying volume of books because they work on a, a weekly basis. So that one week you might sell thousands of books and get into the charts and people might think, therefore, it must be a good book. But that could be faked. And that's just a distribution once again, right? The real challenge would be to how to maintain yourself in the Sunday Times or the charts and how to have continuous ongoing readers buying your product on an ongoing basis. It's one of the things when we launched the book, right? We were like, oh, we have a, a bit of an author platform. We had some distribution already because we did a lot of speaking and a lot of people knew us in the industry. But then beyond that, who else would be seeing the book? Who else would be reading the book? And how would it continue? How would that virality continue into other audiences? And we've seen that. We were just talking about, you know, me coming back from Istanbul and a fan being in Istanbul and reaching out to us and how that impact of a, a good quality book does that or a good quality product does that. They want to talk about it. They want to meet the founders behind it, the creators behind it, anywhere in the world. So that's kind of like really important. I suppose when it comes to marketing, marketing is about educating people more about the problem that people are having mm. than the solution and finding that gap in the market for the problem. Because sometimes we go to market and say, we can do this. But first of all, people need to know either, is there a problem that exists? And is this a new problem? And how can I go about fixing it, right? And usually your product is replacing an existing thing that people are already doing, or it's completely new. You never heard of it before. Yeah. So in Just Eat, for example, we had a good product because people used to order takeaway. The opportunity for the product existed because people, millions of people still order takeaway in the UK. It's one of the most common thing that people spend money on as a treat in the UK, which is a takeaway on a Saturday or a Friday, right? And they were mainly doing this on the phone. And all we did was replace it with a platform to say, actually, now you don't need to do this on the phone and talk to somebody in a restaurant or try and get through, engage telephone lines and try and get your credit card details over the phone. You can do it online. Mm. So people were already doing the thing. We just gave them a better, more convenient way of doing it. And that convenience factor made a difference of people sticking with what we were doing and making it easier for them. And then we gave lots of other services on top of that, like choice and variety and easy to be able to put your postcode and find new restaurants that you wouldn't have found before. So product is important, but so is getting people to your product. Yep. The challenge is to get people to your product, to get them to try your product. And I think the experiential side of your product is really important. So we know that many people have done reviews of the Unfair Advantage book. We know that our book is available on Blinkist, on some review sites, but people still buy the book. So they get to experience some of the product and the values and the learnings in the product. And then if they really like it, they go and buy it. Yeah, That's one channel. 
sometimes I look at marketing in two different ways. I look at marketing as an offensive thing and a defensive thing. Mm. So an offensive thing is like you're going out there to get people to become more aware of your product or your offering, the problem that you solve. And the defensive thing is actually once you start using our product, how do you keep people using the product? How do you get people to get more value from the product that you already have? And in the world of SaaS, which I'm in, they call it time to value. How fast does it take to get value from the product? That metric is really important because that is marketing in itself. It's I call it defensive marketing usage, getting people to use the product and get value from the product. Because if they don't get any value from the product fast enough, then they're less likely to recommend it or use it and forget about it. And therefore, they're less likely to say, I love this thing. I love this product. And that's the key. You have to make a product that people love. That is the main thing you should be aiming for. And we talk in the book about this concept of product market fit and the unfair advantage. We talk about that, right? But really, what does that mean? It sounds kind of abstract. And I mean, what is product market fit? It just means making something that people love. That's it. And if you can make stuff that people love, whether it's a physical product, whether it's an app or a piece of software, or it's a service, or whether it's a YouTube video or a podcast, if people love it then that's it. You're doing really well. All you need to do is pour fuel on the fire. Yeah. Now you can actually invest in the marketing. Yeah. You can actually spend money on it. Yeah. Let's say if it's a recurring revenue kind of thing, you want to see if you mm -hmm. retain them, if they keep paying for it. All these are signs and signals that you have product market fit. Engagement, like let's say if it's a video, do people keep watching it? How much of a drop-off do you get? You know, That's what these algorithms do. They're sort of like, they're trying to give people the things that they would love most. So the algorithms are trying to figure out what is a good product. So these are the signs for me. What about for you? What comes to mind for you? Have I covered everything or is there something else I've missed out? I, I think you've done a good job of covering some of them. But So let's take some real examples. Um, recently, we, we picked up our award for Business Book of 2021 in Birmingham. And we posted our LinkedIn posts and we got lots of people uh, raving and ranting on there, which is great about how good it was. But then... The interesting ones to show product market fit are the ones where people say, I've bought five copies of your book and I've been giving them out. That's product love. Without them even saying, I love your book, I just bought five copies of your book, I've been giving them out. Or I've been, I've gave my copy to somebody else. That's an, an example of product love that you can take without them saying, I love the product, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Right. Another example of that would be like in New Hubs, we're a SaaS product. Right, we're a software as a solution. We help SaaS companies upskill their and develop their sales teams. And our main stakeholder are sales leaders. And generally in the industry right now, sales leaders are staying in their roles 13 to 18 months. The tenure wow. of in people staying in a role is between 13 to 18 months. <laughs> okay. Right? It's low, right? But the fact that they're moving, so this is a this was a this was a problem, right? They they're in their roles so for not too long. But actually it's worked out as a blessing for us, because now when someone is moving after 15 months, when they go to the new company, they love what we've done. And now we've got another client at the new company because they're like, right, I want UHubs to be here as well. And we've had a couple of clients recently that literally have that's happened because we've been going now for two and a half years, three years, that kind of cycle is coming through now. And we've seen the people who are moving and they're going, oh yeah, I want to bring UHubs here now. And we've actually signed deals with them in new companies as a result of it. That's an example of product team love. Those are early signs of that. I think it's important to foster those 
and to think about that as a signal to you to say, actually, that's interesting. People are willing to take us. Why are they willing to take us? What is it that made us take us to a new company? You're in a new company for the first time. You've got to prove yourself, right? And you believe that we can help you prove yourself in that company. That's kind of a big, big ask. For those who are more metrics driven listening to this, there's that metric of if you do a survey and 40% of people will be very disappointed if they can't have your product or service anymore, then you know you've got product market fit because they would be very unhappy to live without it. That's great. That is a great sign. So let me ask you this. If, if as an investor, let's say two different types of startups come to you, one is brilliant at marketing, making loads of noise, getting PR, getting views, all that stuff, but they have a crap product. And one that has no idea about anything about marketing and they have a brilliant product. Which one would you invest in? I would invest in both, but I would have some stipulations around what specifically I would like work together guys. <laughs> right. So when you, when you invest in multiple companies, you can actually get them to have peer to peer learning from each other. Right here, look, listen to these guys, how to build a product and those guys know how to, what they're doing. Look, it's all about the team, right? And if the, if the startup founders are aware of it, so if they, if the founders come to you and say, look, we've done this and we're aware that we're not very good at the marketing side right now, that's what I want to hear rather than, yep, we've got a good product. We're going to smash it rather than actually, oh no, we need help in marketing. Or the other way around, you know, we've got, we've got so, great marketing, but actually we know we, there's some product issues that we need to do with. That self-awareness and that coachability is important. So it's not either, it's not a binary question, either or. It's I think it's a combination of those things, right? Yeah, because they're both like re really, really useful skills. Yeah. Building a great product, it's hard. Doing lots of marketing is easier because you can spend money on it and be creative. You can have some creative ways of doing things, but building a good solid product is much harder. That's the thing. And if you can do the hard things, then you're creating a moat around your business. Because if you can promote your business with a fun way and someone else can promote the same business in a fun way, then you've got no competitive, you've got no moat in the business. Because if you have the product, you could just pay for the attention. You can pay for the marketing. You could just throw money into it. That's so true. But the key is you can't do that. If you're bootstrapping, you haven't proved it yet. Yeah. You know it's good, but nobody yeah, else yeah. is believing in it. And the best ideas are like that. Yeah. They're not going to be like, oh, this is obviously a brilliant product. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not that obvious. Sometimes some products take time. You know, timing is really important. I, a lot of it comes down to timing. You know, product and marketing, it's that timing element to it, right? For example, right now, it's very costly to market products on Google paid ads and Facebook ads and LinkedIn ads. It's costly. Doesn't mean it's not impossible. You can still get an RI, but it's very costly compared to how it was before. So the timing of the market of a product that you launch now, you need to put that into the equation of how much you're going to spend in the market to get that customer, right? And that's yeah. why distribution is important because if you don't have to spend a lot of money to get the customer, then that's a good thing. And if you get the right customer, then it's even better. In the early days, you're really betting on the founders, Yeah. right? Because the product can change. You can pivot the product, change the product. You can improve the marketing. You know, but the founders, if they're going to be agile enough to pivot and change, pivot and change, both in marketing experimentation and product, they're the ones who are ultimately going to find the right product market fit Absolutely. and get the customer love. That's what I'm looking for in the early days. If you haven't got that, it's hard. Yeah. And it, also, it's not the dichotomy between product and marketing. It's a kind of a false dichotomy sometimes as well, because through your marketing, through your distribution and communication, you improve the product. And through having a better product, you also improve your marketing as well because you get more word of mouth and et cetera. It goes back to that thing. I mean, if I just act as devil's advocate here, you did just say the opposite of what you had said in the quote, which is that product is difficult and marketing is easy. But then 
before you said doing a product is easy and traction is difficult. But maybe because there's a slight distinction between traction and marketing. Building a product is easy, but building a product that people love is hard. Yeah, yeah. and that's how you'll get traction, which is why the word traction is there, right? Yeah, because because anyone can build a WordPress website now, right? You can pretty much build a WordPress website and knock it out. There's lots of people that can do that for you. But the, the question is, what is it that you're building? What is the website? Why are you building it? And what's the purpose behind it? Where does it fit in the market? Have you got the right personas, the branding, the thinking? All that matters, right? So the building tools are available. And I suppose I say that because when I started back in 1999, there were no tools. So you had to get out there and do your own programming and build, you know, build things as much as you can. Now you can bring things together and create the same experience that I did 20 years ago, building e-commerce sites much faster. Yeah, you can do drag and drop. Everything's drag and drop now and simple. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. So yeah, it's it's a it's a nuance. It's paradoxical. It's nuanced. Very much nuanced. Building a good product is hard. Exactly. The other thing is when you have marketing, marketing can be very much focused around ego metrics and vanity metrics, whereas product metrics can be seen very much more as substance based metrics. Yeah. And so sometimes we can get confused. You go to a startup founder will approach and say, Hey, I got I got twenty thousand people on Facebook. That's great. How many people have bought your product and used it? That's what's more interesting, right? Where are they falling off in your product? What are they disliking, liking? So it's a balance between ego metrics and real metrics. That's important. I think sometimes we get confused with the vanity metrics, right? And then we assume that the product is good. But no, actually, that's your marketing that's good, right? But ultimately, your product being good is what's going to make you win in the long term and also create that moat around you so competition can't come in and just do exactly what you're doing. 100%. Amazing. So ultimately... Focus on products, make it actually good, make it actually useful. This is the kind of stuff that Elon Musk talks about a lot. He's like, it's all about product. And if you notice, Tesla doesn't spend any money on marketing. Now, obviously, they have marketing in the sense of Elon himself <laughs> in, in other ways, other PR ways that they get it in a clever way, rather than actually spending a budget on doing billboards and TV ad campaigns and stuff. But yeah, it's all about like just focus on the product. You had that recently in your trip, right? A small business. And they were like, we just focus on the experience being better for our clients rather than yeah. promote, you know, spending money on advertising. We spend the money instead on making the experience better. And I think if you had the choice, you should definitely do that. And nowadays, let's just give something more practical. Now it used to be like SEO was great and it can still work SEO. Mm. But nowadays the best platforms for getting organic growth are TikTok, LinkedIn, Surprisingly, LinkedIn people don't realize, and YouTube, the YouTube algorithm is still brilliant. It's not as insane and meritocratic almost as TikTok, or maybe it's not as mm. short of a feedback loop, but it still works extremely mm. well. And it's still very like, it really does reward you for when you've got something good. But TikTok okay. is even better in like, if you make a product, a video that's good, it will mm. be discovered. The algorithm will take care of the distribution for you. Whereas YouTube, not really. You, you know, you're a zero subscriber channel just starting out. Probably no one's going to see yeah, hardly yeah. anyone. So yeah, these are the small yeah. differences. Use those platforms, use those channels. If you know of any other channels that are working extremely well at the moment, do let us know. I hear things mm. about Reddit. Reddit advertising is still like underrated. Mm. It's quite interesting. And there are mm. always other clever growth hacky ways. And maybe we could talk about growth hacking in the next podcast, actually, Ash. Maybe one of the next few podcasts we could talk about growth hacking and the growth hacks you've used in the past, what works now, what the mindset is behind growth yeah. hacking. I think that's important to know. Well, Hassan, it's been a pleasure chatting to you about product market fit, how and where we should focus our efforts. 
we are team product even though we're so big on marketing we still would be on team product yeah yeah absolutely absolutely you got to make a good product please do rate this podcast and our podcast on spotify and itunes it really helps us with the algorithm and refer it to other people and send the links out to them you can see all of them on spotify or itunes come back to us and send us questions if you've got any questions around this content or information that we're sharing talk to you next time guys thanks ash thanks Hassan. bye so thank you for listening to the unfair advantage podcast we're available on the podcast app of your choice as well as on youtube as a video podcast for more information on how to find your unfair advantage visit us at theunfairacademy.com